Okay, so I had a an epiphany. Okay. What is your favorite dog nickname to call your dog? <sighs> um, I would have to say my favorite one would be Zoe Dog. Zoe Dog. Her name's yeah. Barbara. Doesn't make any sense, but it works. Wow, who named your dog Barbara? I'm kidding, it's Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to, welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hey, that was thanks. That was a lot. I appreciate it. that. Was a you could have said my name or anything, but you chose that, and I appreciate that. Oh, hey, Greg. <laughs> hey, this is this is a long time coming, but I'm I'm excited for for this I because, frankly, no one else wants to hear me talk. So why not record it and then send it out to other people? I think that's genius. I, I, I'm on the other side. I think people really love me and want to hear my voice, but no one ever listens to me. So there you go. There's so much in that. Okay, so first podcast, I think here's, here's what we should talk about. Well, let's, let's give a, a, an idea here. We, we've had a lot of conversations about a lot of different things. Some of them we can publish. Some of them we can't. We could try. We try. But then finally we're like, hey, let's, let's just do this. Let's talk about this. And, and it just so happens that at this point of our lives, there's a, there's a little thing going on. Some know it as the coronavirus COVID-19, right? That's, I think that's the proper name, COVID-19. Yeah, I think that's what... And that's the what? I think that's what they're calling it. That's what they're calling it. Um, and we suddenly have, like, a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> we really do. Yeah, a lot of time. So why not, why not talk about this? I feel like we have some opinions. We have some things. And it would be cool maybe even in the future, in a future podcast, we could have some people call in and they could talk to us about it. We could, like, you know... See how that goes. Get crazy. Wow. What I'm really interested in, this is something I've been talking to people about, um, is the response of people to COVID-19, to the coronavirus. Yeah. And there's been at least people I've talked to and a lot of stuff article-wise and in the media, kind of three different categories, right? So you have our, our boomers. You, which is the 1944 to 1964. You have your Gen X, 1965 to 1979. Your millennials, 1980, 1994. Woo! Are you, you're, are you a millennial? You're not a millennial. I'm a millennial. You are? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we may be a little lopsided in our opinions, but that's probably because we're right. And then you have Generation Z, which is 1995 to 2015. So it's actually four, four different categories. And let me just tell you my perspective, and then you can tell me what you think. I have had a lot of what I would call baby boomers, my parents, uh, friends of my parents. They seem to, like, not think this is kind of a big deal. And especially where, where we are here in Florida, uh, we see a lot of people in that generation 
that age, kind of just walk around pretending like not a whole lot is going on. Um, and it's confusing to me. What, what has, like, has, have you experienced any of this at all, or is this just a unique Florida experience? Uh, no, I think that's a, across the country. I don't think that they think this is a big deal. We have our, my in-laws actually go grocery shopping for us and they are over 65. I don't understand it. So what, what, what is that about? Why? And so probably the, the other side, right. Is what you would see a little more of like the, I would say the millennials, our group for the most part, seem to be taking this pretty seriously. Yeah. I think we're pretty right? overly conscious. Yeah. Like I, I, I know I am, I'm my family. <laughs> we are, we are locked in except for going into, you know, going to get something to eat. Uh, and by eat actually is really going to get some Republics to get at home, but we're not going to have to eat. We're just walking around our block. We're not going anywhere. Um, so it seems like there's like two different views on this. Mm-hmm. So, I think what's interesting to me is the is the their perspective. So I, I someone has mentioned to me the the boomers kind of went through um, you know they have a different perspective. Right? It's kind of uh, they're kind of the pull your self up by your bootstraps generation. So there's this sort of potentially I guess hey we've done this before we can do it again type mentality. Um, and then you know you kind of always hear people talking about the millennials as the ones complaining and uh, not getting things done. And they always want things handed to them. Uh, it was actually funny because most millennials now are the ones who are, we're, we're working, we're in our thirties. We have a family where our backs are hurting, <laughs> stuff like that. We're not exactly, probably this is not the generation they're thinking of, but um, I'm interested in your perspective and why you think that is. Why, why, why are the older why are the boomers seeing and acting so differently than the millennials are? So I think what you were saying earlier, to be honest, is true. They, they pulled themselves up by themselves. They were very, uh, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this myself because this is the only person I have to rely on. And they had kids and they said, gosh, I want some, I want, I want my kids to grow up with a little bit more. Um, and now we are the kids and we're a little concerned. We're a little concerned because we don't have our parents to fall back on. At least that's my perspective. Um, so if you're anything like my wife and I, we went on Amazon probably the day that the first case in the United States happened and Mm -hmm. we have... I'm sorry to say, but we have at least two big packs of toilet paper from Amazon, which we've never ordered any groceries from Amazon before in our life. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, go ahead. A question about that. And, and I, this, I think, kind of ties into it, too, as far as the way of responding. So, again, boomers, not many that I know are out there buying rolls of, you know, an abundance of toilet no, paper. they're not. Just didn't don't see it right, but but that's something that it seems like maybe we would say Generation X if we want to keep on using these categories, and millennials are doing what what is what what is happening in us in our age groups that we're like holy crap get the toilet paper <laughs> that the boomers aren't doing or seeing or or reacting the same way 
What, why do you, why do you think that? We are the ones that invented social media. And so I once had a friend that, um, so he's friends with Tim Keller's. He's a big pastor in New York who tweets and has a lot of followers. And he once uh, tweeted from Tim Keller's uh, Twitter account, something like God loves you. Well, I could say that and I'd get like one like. Mm. And my friend tweeted this under Tim Keller's name and he got 200,000 likes. Mm. So it just goes to show you that we usually follow the most important people, maybe not important, but the, the most known people. And so we usually follow trends on social media more than the boomers. So you can, so yeah. if somebody says we need toilet paper and then somebody says, oh my gosh, toilet paper is running out. And then somebody else says toilet paper is running out. And then you get somebody famous going, the Corona is coming. Well, then you're, we're going to freak out. We just freak out. That's what we do. Yeah. So it's like the, it's like the herd mentality. Yes. yes. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, I I think that's true. And it's funny. I remember having a moment where I was, we were sitting there thinking about, well, do we, I mean, do we need to get more toilet paper? And I had to stop and go, well, okay, well, why am I, why am I doing that? Why, why is, why is the toilet paper the thing that I'm thinking of? Shouldn't there be some other right. things? And, shouldn't, and shouldn't we want to be like more D or, or <laughs> yeah. So, and it's funny because I actually read an article um, and I can't remember where it was, so I can't give good credit, but it was talking about the psychological uh, desire for control hmm. in times of chaos, right? So, do you know what's behind or um, underneath control? In in everybody, it's it's been studied. I'm 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 going to make a guess, and I'm going to be wrong. So go ahead, you tell no, me. No, I, I want you to guess. I want you to guess. I'm uh, underneath control. Uh, I'm going to say comfort, security. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. There's there's fear. It's been known well. It's been well documented that fear is the one that runs our control center in our brains. Yeah. So okay. So take that, and now let's apply that to boomers, uh, Gen X, which kind of kind of feel bad for Gen X. They're kind of in the middle. Don't not hearing a lot about them. Uh, oh, so just let's say boomers and, and millennials. How are our responses? Um, showing, showcasing that fear center lighting up, mm. where you see the boomers, and again, obviously we're 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 uh, somewhat overgeneralizing a whole population of people. But um, why are the boomers responding? They are, if we understand or believe that there's this fear, this fear center mm -hmm. that gets triggered. Why are they responding that way? to fear and why are millennials responding that way? I feel bad. I totally feel like I'm interviewing you <laughs> at this point, but you can ask me a question. <laughs> so I, I do have a funny response to that. Not very funny, but like, it's just comical because it's, I think it's true. Um, the boomers aren't, I'll take it. Aren't fearful at all because they've already stocked up on this stuff and they've been stocked up for months at a time because they were worried about, uh, their grandchildren needing a cookie or, or, or I think they're, they're hoarders in general. 
So they already had <laughs> their stuff. Maybe that's just my take. Maybe I'm just making a really terrible assumption there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, my, whether it's a terrible or not, you know, it's an assumption. I that's mean, what we my mother-in-law grew up I, kind of poor. Uh, she's above sixty, and one time in her life, their family ran out of toilet paper. And she told herself she was never going to run out of toilet paper ever again. True story. Well, when we move into our new house, Gigi is her name. She she doesn't help us move in, but she brings a two, she brings two trash bags full of toilet paper <laughs> as a gift yeah. of welcome to the neighborhood. And maybe that's like cash like right cash. there. So interesting that example to generalize the boomers, but I think it's kind of true. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's some validity to it. Uh, You know, so I'm thinking again, thinking about the boomers, thinking about generation X and then like, uh, and, and millennials. And then you think about like, I know you have a young one, obviously not being affected by this too much as far as cognitively. Um, But then I have my kids who are nine and six and you know, our whole, our whole normal has been turned upside down. Right. So now we're, we're doing virtual school and they're home all day long and we're finding, figuring out new patterns. We're figuring out all this. And, different and stuff. patterns, and, patterns you know, meaning what the heck do I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's like throughout the day, literally just pragmatically, what am I going to do next? Um, yeah, but the interesting thing is, and talking going back to like control and fear, um, you know, the the question will come up, Mom, Dad, why are we, you know, why are we doing this? What is what is this? What is the virus? Why are we so scared? What am I going to get it? And you know, you really having to walk through and explain to a little human being who doesn't officially get it and try to give them some sort of comfort like we were talking about, so that they don't become extremely fearful, but having some sort of real take on the situation and knowing that, you know, what we're doing by, um, you know, quarantining or uh, practicing social distancing, which is the buzzword right now, is, while not necessarily having as much to do with us as it is really helping other people who can't really help themselves, meaning the people who are older or more, in that high risk group. So it's been interesting having to talk to them about it and watching them kind of deal with their fear center being triggered. Yeah. I think kids, we don't give them, we don't give them as much credit as we ought to, but they notice everything that's going around. They, they notice uh, your tensity, your, your, your wife's tensity, your all's mood. um, Even before you tell them about things. Yeah. So, you know, what would you, because I know that you um, kind of, with what you do, um, you get to speak to, uh, I believe, some children and probably some parents too. You know, what would you do if you had someone come in who asked the question of, you know, how do I talk to my kid mm-hmm. about something that I'm completely petrified of myself? My fear center is being completely triggered. I feel out of control. How do I, how do I help my kid have a, sense of comfort or safety, um, but also be real with them and know that, you know, this is a big deal. This is something that we've never really dealt with in our lifetimes. 
you know, what, how, how would you walk a parent? I think that's, like a, that? that's a really good question. And really what you just said that I'm scared, um, uh, that you're at, you feel out of control, that you don't know what to do. I think that's the first step. I think that's the first thing <clears throat> that a child should know is that their parents are scared too. And that's okay because it, it's the, it, it, people get scared when they feel out of control. And, uh, if a parent always seems to be in control and in that one time they're out of control, well, then their children are going to feel that, you know, times a thousand. But if you are honest with your children, if you're honest, Hey, I, I don't know what's going to happen either, but I know it's going to be okay. Um, whatever happens, we were, we're going to do this together. We're going to get through this together. Um, I think, I think that does so much more in a child's development than having a parent that says, uh, this is silly. I don't know why people are doing this. I don't know why people are reacting this way. Of course, we're going to be okay. Well, what happens yeah. when somebody in the family does get sick? Then what is that very confident parent going to tell that child? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because if if you sort of set a baseline with your children of not allowing them kind of to come into some of the uncertainties of life, um, like you said, w once they do come and they will, they are they almost don't have the tools right. uh, to really figure it out, walk through it, and and you know the their world little world can be thrown into chaos. So that's a, that's a good point. Um, what would you say to someone else who doesn't have kids? They're single. They're sitting in their apartment, their house, and um, you know they're they're dealing with this in in many ways alone. You know, in our extremely overconnected through social media, but also extremely uh, you know lonely existence that sometimes we live. Right? What would you say to them? Uh, what would you wish that they would do uh, to help themselves through this? Gosh. I, I, that's, that's a harder question, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, there's going to be loneliness. Um, there's going to be fear. Um, I mean, we, we were never supposed to be this alone. Uh, we, uh. You go back to the perfect harmony we had with God's presence in the garden. Um, we were made for that, but then the fall happened and Adam and Eve, uh, you know, the fall happened and, uh, that relationship with God was severed. Our relationship with each other was severed, but we are still made for that connection. We are still made for intimacy and to be known and to be seen um, externally and internally. Uh, so what do I say to somebody that's home alone? Um, gosh, um, I've told, I've told clients of mine, you may have to Facebook chat. You may have to Skype more than you ever have. Even if you're an introvert, you will, 
you will you'll need to do that <clears throat> more than ever. Yeah. Use the phone more than ever. Yeah, it's it's because it, it, it could be so easy, <clears throat> depending who you are and kind of the way you're wired and made up, right? To just continue to shrink inward. Um, and, and, you know, like the, I, I saw a lot of memes, people talking about something like, so what you're telling me is I get to, you know, I'm going to be sitting alone on my couch for the next two or three weeks, introverts dream or something, you know, mm-hmm. some, something to that effect. Right. Um, but you know, I, I think you and I know that there is a, there is an end of that sort of novelty. And, uh, at the end of that is loneliness and, um, you know, that's something that they have to, you have to work against. So what's interesting in all of this too, and we kind of have a background in this <clears throat> is the, it's kind of the church world, right? So, um, churches are completely displaced. So you can't go to a church building right now. You can't go to a Sunday morning service and, um, you know, churches are having to completely rethink what it means to be, um, basically the church. Um, so they're having online services, you know, small groups or, communities of people who would group together and, and meet once or a week or so can't do it anymore. Social distancing. Um, and what I've actually found really interesting is this is something that I have talked about a lot for many years. Um, and a lot of people have way before me. Um, and they talked about what the church would look like if there were no buildings. And that had been like a mantra of the kind of the group is, you know, what, what's the church and, when there's no, when you're out of the four walls. And what's interesting is it seems like um, forcibly the hand has been pushed and now the church is outside of those four walls. Um, And now they're having to rethink, well, what does the church look like in 2020 when you can't go to a building? Um, So what I'm encouraged by is the rethink. And this, this goes outside just of church, just even like families and and friendships and neighborhoods and the trend, everyone's having to rethink and kind of reset what is the human experience at its core? Um, what does it mean to exist amongst other people and connect, like you said, connect with other people? And what does it mean to when my fear center is activated, when I feel out of control? You know, how do I relate to these other human beings in my house, outside my house, at my church, at my work, in a way that contributes, but also um, receives, right? Because I think that's kind of, that's often the human experience. One of those things, when if one of those things isn't working, yeah. you can get lopsided, right? So you either, you're, you, you're contributing, but you're also receiving. Um, so I've been encouraged by it in some way. And, you know, obviously this is a pretty terrible thing that's happening around us but i also wonder if this is um kind of the great reset where everyone needs to really everyone gets the time (laughs) affords the time to really start thinking about what this what this thing is really all about have have you thought about that at all kind of what this looks like yeah what what you were saying about our culture was trying was aiming towards you know going all virtual um staying at home um, I mean, gosh, this, this Christmas break was all about, what was that thing called that like you work out in front of this compute, this, uh, uh, the Peloton, like, isn't that Peloton, yep, the that bike, we've yep. always had like treadmills and stair climbers with like little screens on them? 
<laughs> telling us what to do, but mm-hmm. it took marketing yeah. and like a commercial every other commercial to tell us that we need to work out alone in our garage. <laughs> like, and now it's like a trend. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also say yeah. that, you know, when Uber started, like, I thought, gosh, we are never going to go to restaurants again. It's just, we are never going to get in our car and go somewhere. And uh, if you're anything like me, and I'm, I'm sure you, you, you want to talk to the people that just made your pizza and you're talking to them and you, you arrive right. early and maybe you grab a beer, maybe you grab a drink and you sit at the bar and you talk to the bartender before your food's ready. And then you leave like, I, I I like those connections. I I like that intimacy. Um, I like that relation relationship. Uh, yeah. So how how do we then? Because there will be a there will be a time after COVID nineteen. There will be a a emerging from our houses and going back to work and you know kids back to school and practice and and you know after school all these different things that are, are going to compete for our mm-hmm. attention again um w- you know what should what are what are things that we should be practicing when that happens or even maybe looking for right now um and i could say a couple that we're doing but um that we should be doing now that will set us on a better trajectory to come out the other side and say things aren't the same um, they, uh, there will be a new yeah, normal, but that, maybe that's that okay. Is, that get, that question gets me really excited because as you know, I'm a, I'm a counselor. Um, and most of my work, uh, revolves around the idea that, uh, people do not know how to ask or they, they do not feel safe even in their own marriages to ask for what they need. Um, uh, somewhere along the lines, they have felt insecure in asking their spouse or asking their parents or asking their friends to give them something that they really are excited about. And that's love and commitment and, uh, attunement and, um, to, you know, or it's just like maybe, you hurt, maybe they feel hurt or slighted or missed. Uh, in today's culture, we just keep going about our day and we don't say anything. Uh, but what if, what if we lived in this world where I was able to say, Hey, Greg, um, it, you, I feel really missed when you said that to me the other day, what would the world look like <laughs> if we were doing that with each other? Um, so even in this broader sense, to answer your question, like, I think it starts with asking each other f- for our own needs to be met. That means like, uh, hey, I don't know how to do this Skype thing. I don't know how to talk on the phone, uh, but I need somebody. I need, I need this. Um, uh, I need somebody to go get groceries for me. I need... Um, I need somebody to go pay my water bill because I am an older person and I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to catch the virus. Like there's just, uh, I love this idea where people are thriving uh, 
when their needs are vocalized, when they're voiced, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. I think, um, I think there is, um, a chance for us to learn tons of things, but as far as learn really about what it means to be, uh, like I said, a human connected with other humans, um, like we, we have a lot to relearn and this is kind of giving us that time. And, you know, take, for example, and I had written kind of a blog post about this, you know, my hope is that we never lose Mm. that sense of interconnectedness that we're feeling now. Right. I mean, something, a virus starts in one part of the country and part of the world and in two or three months, yeah. it's across everywhere, you know, obviously different, but shows exactly how incredibly connected physically we are to one another. Um, and in some way, the reverse would be how powerful we can be when we're actually connected together. And I think that's kind of the, the beautiful picture that can come out of it. And those, there's going to be a lot of hard work. There's going to be a lot of uh, fear. Like you said, it's going to be a lot of people feeling not in control. Um, and if we can, I feel like if we can do the things you just said, which is say when we need and receive that help, but also contribute, um, then we could be coming out of this, uh, different people and probably in the best ways too. Yeah. (laughs) I'll write that down. Maybe you'll blog about it tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I have plenty of time. I can tell you that much. So, uh, well, cool. I actually, this was, this was actually uh, a lot better than I thought it would be from my perspective. Cause you know, that's all that matters. But, um, any, uh, any, any last thoughts before we, we head out here? I, I don't, I really don't yeah, like stay I mean, classy, you know, I nothing mean, like that. I, I know we went into this podcast thinking this could be a little goofy, but it turned into actually something serious and, and good. And, and yeah, I, well, I blame, I blame you, you for, for asking part. me serious questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> well, stay on that classy. note, <laughs> stay classy. See ya.